Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dandy Boys, Michael Hamlet from What Culture, to discuss everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw but also SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete. With a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet. Michael Sidgwick, busy working on his book, which you can now even pre-order, I think, at whatculture.com. But more details will arise in the coming days, weeks, and months. It's a perfect Christmas present. But yes, his book, All About AEW, is going to be out in time for Christmas. A hell of a gift for yourself or for someone else. But that's why he's not on the podcast as much this week. But anyway, Hamlet. What did you make of Monday Night Raw last night? Um, it wasn't the worst episode ever. Season premiere, baby! <laughs> <laughs> but when are we going to get out of these insane times that starting a Raw review by saying, well, it wasn't the worst episode ever, is about the most glowing praise with which we can shower upon this show. Like, we have often lamented, and I know people think we moan on sometimes, we've often lamented that standards have slipped to such an extent that a lot of stuff in WWE is waved away now. In fact, the mere existence of an opposition not doing those things has magnified just how much is waved away in WWE, the kind of things that we ourselves were probably waving away pre-2019. Uh, and I watched this, and there were elements of this that I thought were passable, I guess. There was a couple of things I genuinely liked. We'll get to them as we go along. Um, but the bulk of it was passable. A lot of it still felt inessential and missable. There were logic holes so vast and cavernous that had, as you'd hoped, Riddle entered on a camel, the hole was so big the camel would have still fell in it. That's, <laughs> big, that's, that's probably why they didn't bother importing one, because it wouldn't come back. At least with the scooter, he can sort of nip and dive in between the plot holes and the logic holes that are on this show. It's a WWE problem. It's never going to go away. But congratulations. In 52 weeks, this wasn't... <laughs> the 52nd best episode of Monday Night Raw. Well done, WWE. I think it also speaks volumes that the one thing we knew about heading into this show, the one promised thing, they didn't do. They just checked their mind. 
Incredible. And, and got two matches out of it. But still, we'll, we'll get talk about that when we get to it. Let's start because the WWE champion, Big E, came out after a package summarizing what happened at Crown Jewel, of course. He welcomed us to Mandinaral, killing the game. Um, he said uh, he was excited to be uh, here in Houston, have the season premiere of Raw here, a place that gave us DJ Screw. I don't know. Mitchell and Ness <laughs> Oilers. Nope. Throwbacks. Mitchell and Ness Oilers. I don't. Papa Doe on every... I have no idea. Local stuff. Anyway, we got a Let's Go Astros chant, which I assume is the local soccer team. And uh, he wished them luck. Yeah, it was local stuff to pop the crowd. Uh, but he did have a nice moment where he gave a shout out to King Woods for winning King of the Ring. Uh, also gave a nice nod to Drew McIntyre for taking him to his limit at Crown Jewel and making him a better champion. And he wondered who was next. And out of nowhere, Seth Rollins interrupts. He comes out, he danced down to the ring to his music. Big E had a bit of a jig as well. And Rollins said he was in a good mood and Big E knew why he was out there. To which Big E responded, thankfully, you lost to Edge. What are you doing out here? And Rollins' face gets all... Don't mention that. He wants the title. Big E just goes, yeah, but you lost to Edge. And Rollins said that he went through hell and uh, he talked about people ducking him before. Like when he was on the blue brand, he said, do you want to be like Roman Reigns or do you want to be a fighting champion? Choo-choo! Promo train coming through. Rey Mysterio interrupts. He says Rollins must not be seeing right after Edge bashed his head in. He says he and Rollins have never seen eye to eye. But it was <laughs> him who deserved a title match instead. Uh, he ran down all the stuff that he'd won, mentioning that WWE Championship he held for about 20 minutes, thanks John Cena, uh, and said he'd do whatever it takes to win the title one more time. Out comes Finn Balor. He says, I got nothing for love for you, Ray Ray. But I, I've done all this stuff, runs down his all of his accomplishments. Uh, and reminds Rollins that he was the first ever Universal Champion and made me a little bit sad remembering the time when I actually believed that they'd have pushed Finn Balor correctly. But he noted he'd never won the WWE Championship. He wants it. And then finally, out comes Kevin Owens. He, with a bit of tongue-in-cheek, runs down all of his accomplishments as well, including winning the Universal title right here in Houston. And he won it, of course, uh, defeating Seth Rollins with a little bit of help, if you remember from Triple H, because, of course, he has to involve himself in everything. Anyway, uh, the big brawl breaks out. Rollins attacks Owens. Owens fights him off, goes for the stunner. Rollins bails to the outside. Now comes Sonya Deville to make a fatal four-way number one contenders match to determine Big E's next challenger. And as it was the season premiere and a day that ended in Y, they decided to make it a ladder match as well. What do you think of this good old-fashioned raw promo train? It was like... Season 30, it was just getting off in the same way that every other season has started. Yeah, it was brain-dead stupid nonsense, wasn't it? Um, Big E's, as you correctly predicted, already slotted quite nicely into the game show host of WWE, as is the, the job of whoever's the champion on Monday Night Raw, but he does a good job of it. Long may he get away with that, as Drew McIntyre did for as long as he did, because it's a vital part of the job. You talk about the likes of Finn Balor coming out and reading out the CV, I hope one day when Big E loses that belt, he remembers to include this. Oh, I spent six months saying welcome to Monday Night Raw and people didn't loathe and despise me. <laughs> That's a bigger achievement in WWE than your wins and losses. And speaking of wins and losses, it's a good job, isn't it? That it's a bigger achievement. 
can we go through the list? <clears throat> Seth Rollins, last televised match, a loss to Edge at Crown Jewel. Uh, Rey Mysterio, his last televised match, a loss in the King of the Ring to Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens, his last televised match, a loss to Corbin on SmackDown. Finn <laughs> Balor, his last televised match, a loss in the King of the Ring to Xavier Woods. Now, you may say to me, well, they've given you more reasons beyond their win-loss records. And I say to you, actually, yes. What this is, in fact, is not horrendously illogical WWE booking. It is, in fact, borrowing from the opposition. Because Sonya Deville has come out here and in very sort of has basically offered them a gamble to enter a very dangerous ladder match. Where do you gamble? Where do you place bets? At a casino. <laughs> What's Seth Rollins in his current character? He's a bit of a joker. <laughs> they were doing some foreshadowing. They, they're actually, this is 4D. This was not an opening promo train full of losers that didn't deserve a title shot. This was big picture thinking. And if you guys out there don't get this, then I can't help you, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, I just don't know. It was absolutely, ter- it was absolutely terrible. Um, I hate so much about all of these because I don't like Seth Rollins' character almost all of the time. Um, his work is quite good at the moment. It's starting to stand up for itself in spite of this character that I... D- somebody needs to explain it to me, please. On the internet, at Michael Hamflit, treat yourself. Give me a one-tweet synopsis of this character and why it's good. I'll give you one tweet to explain the character and another to explain why it's good, because I don't think you can do it in, all of it in one tweet. <laughs> um, I don't get it. Finn Balor has lost everything he's attempted to win lately. Um... Where was Edge? Where was Edge? Big E pointed out that Edge was the guy that won the match. So where was Edge in all yeah. of this? Um, they're all going nowhere. And this just felt so lame as a result. I jokes. I'm glad we've already reached the point where that is parody, where that is the thing to be referenced in joking terms. When last year, a guy's eye was pulled out of its socket. It's pattern now. It's all pattern. <laughs> like everything is reduced. Like there's no, you can't, um, like next year when they book... Uh, for they're, they're really short and a big match for backlash. So it's like a first guy to kill the guy. <laughs> like, not like an implied thing, like when Corbin threw them off the roof of Titan Tower. It's just like murder match. Got to kill a guy. And then like six months later, it's like, <laughs> remember when you killed me? When they're elbowing each other backstage because they've got to coexist to win the tag belts or something. Like <laughs> Nothing sacred. Now it's sacred. This was pretty lame. And it was immediately followed by a triple threat tag match to determine who would face RK Bro for the tag titles later on in the evening. And he didn't have AJ Styles and Omos in it. So I almost said, ah, you know what, I'll let this one have a pass. It was the Duty Dogs versus the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy. And they had a really enjoyable match, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Montez Ford is in the form of his life right now. He starts off with Chad Gable, who's also quite good. Chad Gable takes him down, yells about the Alpha Academy, and I think, oh, they really should do more with you. Uh, Ford flicked out of a German, uh, a released German suplex, tags in Dawkins, who runs wild, clears the ring. Uh, then we go to a break when we come back. Um, Ziggler tries to hit Ford with a famouser, uh, but he counters it, hits a sit-out powerbomb instead. Otis, the monster that he is, just comes in, drags Ziggler over to his corner and tags himself in. Uh, um, 
he looks to dominate, but in the end, he charges at Ford. Ford moves, he hits the post. So Dawkins comes in. Uh, he runs wild yet again. Uh, Otis and Gable, they get in. They hit that combo clothesline German suplex thing. But thankfully, Ford hits a huge frog splash to break up the pinfall uh, and then takes out Otis with a massive dive. Out comes almost, though, presumably furious that their tag title match has been taken away. Ford tries to dive on him, but... Big George just catches him, chucks him into the barricade, uh, and that allows the dirty dogs to hit their spinebuster zigzag combo thing and get the victory. They will face Randy Orton and Riddle later on in the evening. What do you reckon? Well, I reckon is like neither of me or you are jacked, nor can we grow cool beards, nor could either of us ever live on a boat. So which one of us is going to be Phil and which one of us is going to be Gareth? Because those two had to review this match for like four months earlier this year <laughs> on the SmackDown Review podcast. So I'd like who's going to play who here? Because I don't think we can be expected to have to cover this when they've covered every inch of all of these combinations over <laughs> and over again. We kind of flippantly referenced this on the Raw preview yesterday, but they drafted so many people that all the obvious contenders to all the titles and all the various people that could be built into feuds. And there's another one coming later on this show, by the way, are people have already fought each other on a different night of the week. <laughs> Not felt like enough of a mix. There's just felt like so many straight swaps of books of mid cards that you're left with something like this. The match wasn't bad, by the way. Um, I wasn't as... Um, I saw on Twitter this spot getting a bit of praise. and I, you, I'm not having a go here. You highlighted it as well. The And the commentators were bigging it up. The idea that, oh, this, oh he's big brain. Now he's in the Alpha Academy. He's not staking weight this guy anymore. Dragging... Um, Ziggler, wasn't it? Like lifeless mm. Ziggler to make the tag to get into the match. Why didn't he blind tag Ford and pin Ziggler? Not quite big enough brain just yet. There's still mistakes and ways around. the other guy, like the, I know I'm looking at thinking I want to fight him. He can't move. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Otherwise, like perfectly acceptable, decent pro wrestling, the same as which we've seen. Like me and you, I think a bit of a guilty pleasure. Both of us, the dirty dogs. Yeah. So. They're so good at threading these matches together. Um, you always get good stuff from Chad Gable. You always get amazing. One day he's going to be in the main event stuff from Montez Ford. And this was all like seven out of 10 versions of all of that here on their big first night on Monday Night Raw. But it was all a bit... Well, it wasn't what we were advertised as a tag match. It's weird that it was even happening. Where's AJ Styles? That kind of thing. It's that like WWE stuff just happens problem mm. um, that kind of took some of the life out of the match. Decent, not not like a load to complain about, but I, I'm surprised at some of the praise that this is getting. Again, I think that's sometimes the low bar that this show has to limbo underneath. That I've seen this getting quite a bit of get positivity online. Please, please to the dirty dogs, but emotionally invested in almost none of this. Yeah, perfectly adequate uh, failing challenges for the belts later on. We all knew how it was going to play yeah. out. Uh, and then we got the Queen's Crown coronation. Here is Queen Zelina. Uh, to celebrate being the winner of the Queen's Crown tournament and, you know, be unbearable. Uh, she gets Mike Rome to redo her introduction and do the whole Her Royal Highness sort of thing. Uh, she kept occasionally slipping into a British accent for some reason, presumably just Queen stuff now. But yeah, she'd be talking and then she'd suddenly go a bit like, I am from Britain. Do you know the Queen? That because that's what Americans do. That's how they think we sound. Whereas we all know that you sound like out of farmer. You know the <laughs> president. 
Yeah, not like it when it's the other way around, do you? Anyway, she says she's been underappreciated for too long. Not anymore. She's the only woman in WWE fit to be queen. Uh, there's a load of women backstage watching this on the TV at weird angles. They're all not happy with all this. Uh, she says she expects all of her subjects to bow down to the queen. Like we said on the preview, this is just... You know, what if a queen was nasty, unlike Xavier Woods? What if a king was nice? Um, she says the question about what kind of queen she'll be kind of remains unanswered, though. Uh, do do drop. Do job. Uh, is that enough? She storms from backstage to head to the ring. She says, Dewdrop is an example of what happens when you stand in her way. This crown proves she's the best of the best. And she runs through, I don't know. Cleopatra, some other historical figures. I, she's done this before, and I wrote it down last time, and I, I hated my life doing it, so I just didn't bother this time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. She finishes all hails Queen Zelina, and then, of course, out comes for a needless rematch. And as much as I thought, oh, yeah, here we go, I have to admit, I liked this because this is the character that... Queen Zelina, Zelina Vega, should play from now on. It's a very basic, played out sort of thing. But yes, the evil queen who uses her royalness to cut corners and win matches. Look, she did try to start the match off whilst holding her scepter for some reason, but Dewdrop just used that to pull her in and hit her with a clothesline. And then she tosses Zelina Vega across the ring. Uh, Vega, though, fights back. She hits a code breaker gets a near fall, takes the turnbuckle pad off, and as the referee's busy fixing all that, she grabs her scepter, twats Dewdrop with it, and gets a very quick win in like two and a half minutes. It's like the Queen's Crown tournament all over again, Michael Hamplett. <laughs> Indeed it is. Do you want the uh, criticism or the praise first? Let's have the praise first. Praise. When Randy Savage, in 1991, at the Royal Rumble, shattered a scepter over the Ultimate Warrior's head, a beautiful, like, fake glass-looking scepter. The shards that didn't go into the skull of the Ultimate Warrior pierced my heart because I have loved scepters in wrestling ever since. I see a scepter, I think, of people getting choked with them like Randy Savage did, clocked with them like Bret Hart did when he was in his feud with Jerry the King Lawler. Scepters are sort of awesome. Sheamus had that one that looked like carved out of a tree when mm -hmm. he was playing strange wooden king. I just think scepters are mint. And like Zelina Vega's only slight. So she's got this huge, she looks like she's holding the column of a building. So it looks like a super effective weapon in her hand. Um, so I'm a big fan of the scepter being key to the start of this match. And then of course, feeding into the finish because it's a cool weapon that she can use. As you've kind of alluded to there, just because it's predictable and a bit hack, it doesn't mean that you can't do something good with it. And down the road, the more that Zelina Vega grows into this character and the more that people just start to accept the scepter as a weapon, um, the crown, the cave, the pageantry is part that she can use as a bit of a distraction, all that sort of stuff. It might get her up the card, you know? It might get her into a position because the matches haven't been much to write home about. She's not been booked like a winner. And now that it's as if she had to pay all these dues coming back into the company before they would start proper and it feels like they've started proper with her now. Mm. So there might be, as silly as some of this looks initially now, we will get used to all the silliness and then it might reflect that the company are committing to her. So I love sectors and I love it when a company commits to anyone and I think they're committing to her. The criticism is, and I'm glad you saved this second because I think it's the more important point we need to, we need to labor on a little bit here. Whether it be pro wrestling 
or especially coverage of pro wrestling. There is absolutely one thing. My credibility relies on this. There is absolutely one thing I cannot sanction in wrestling and coverage of pro wrestling, and that is stupid voices and people doing accents. <laughs> I will not have it. I will not allow it. There is no place for it in wrestling or the coverage of pro wrestling. There is no spot where I think it is warranted. It does not make me laugh. It does not entertain me. When people do voices, what you will not hear from me is a fap. <laughs> I don't, when I think that somebody might do a funny voice, try and tease it out of them by going, when I hear a funny voice on a wrestling show, I look at it, I stare at it. My internal voice goes, you're going to be joking me. <laughs> and I just will not tolerate that. And I will not stand for that. And Zelina Vig, and I say this as somebody who looks across at the face of Adam Wilborn five times a week, <laughs> decide if it's Australian or English, mate, because it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Well, it was followed by a promo by, uh, who was it? Becky Lynch! Uh, <laughs> as she walked down to the ring, I did like the way that Jimmy Smith said, oh, yeah. And we all saw what happened with the contentious title exchange on SmackDown. That's one way of putting it, Jimmy. Uh, she said she was happy to be Raw Women's Champion again. Talked about, you know, never losing this title, blah, blah, blah. Uh, overcoming the odds in the triple threat with Banks and Belair in Crown Jewel. Uh, and she thinks that no one wants to see Bianca Belair anywhere near her title. It's time for some other women, maybe like a Rhea Ripley or a Liv Morgan. Of course, then Bianca Belair immediately interrupts. She comes out, she says, look, I'm not the one who lost that triple threat match. And, you know, let's be honest, I'm not the one who won it via cheating either. She says, look, I've beaten Sasha Banks, I've beaten Bailey, and I've beaten Charlotte Flair last week. I want you next. I want to be the face of Raw. And then she says, oh, it's funny you say that because, and I thought, oh, we're going back to the Shinsuke playbook, are we? Shinsuke versus Jinder. It's funny you say that because uh, you want to be the face of Raw. This is what the face of Raw looks like. And there's a picture of uh, Becky Lynch standing tall with that championship in Crown Jewel. And then she says, oh, and here's what you look like after the match. And she just puts a funny photo of Bianca Belair looking sad after the match. And she said, that's the face of a loser. She said, you've had a straight ride to the top, Bianca, but that was only because I wasn't there to stop you. And now that I'm back, you haven't really had much success, have you? Belair responds by saying, look, the fans are cheering because they love me. You know, they don't really like you anymore. You're still trying to seek that validation. You're nothing without that title. We both know it. Belair, again, insists on a match for the Raw Women's Championship. And Lynch, Lynch tells her, back, get to the back of the line, bitch. Belair attacks her. Lynch suddenly uh, ducks to the outside and grabs herself a kendo stick. Uh, Belair catches it, attacks her with it. Goes to the KOD, but Lynch gets out and she hits sort of a Russian leg sweep with the kendo stick to lay out Belair. And as Lynch walks to the back, swaggers to the back, she gets on the mic and says, you know what? You and I, we are going to have a match for the title. Yay! Just not for tonight. Boo! Thoughts? WWE's broken. Um, Sasha Banks, it's not Sasha Banks. We've had that already 12 times. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair will be good. Mm -hmm. um, but then good matches aren't enough because for 22 minutes, 
Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair was really good. And we didn't get 22 or 28. Mm, something like that. We didn't get a finish, you know. Um, so you can't rely on the end result of all this because there might not be a finish. But like tiny, tiny portions of this were so great that you were just screaming, get to the point over <laughs> and over again. It is suicide to send Becky Lynch out there still because she's still getting cheered and have her list off people that you want the fans to cheer who they don't cheer for as loudly as they cheer for her. <laughs> Maybe I'll take on Liv Morgan. Crickets. Like, just what does that do for your baby faces? Honestly, the people mm. that she's got to... I understand the idea of, you know, oh, she wants to fight other people now because she's done with Bianca Belair and it's supposed to be her dressing up, her cowardice as being ready to challenge other people. Maybe I'll take on Rhea Ripley. Indifference. Shrug. So it's like WWE have learned there that they've buried their entire mid-card that nobody cares enough to want to see these people fight Becky Lynch. <laughs> need cheers from the crowd for that to work. But the only thing they were cheering was your heel, Becky Lynch, because it's broken, because they've absolutely knacked it. Bianca Belair comes out, cuts the best promo that she's cut in this entire feud. I think that's safe to say. Mm-hmm. First time that... Um, you remember all those criticisms a few weeks ago that Becky always wins these things. She always gets the final point. She gets the last bit of physicality. She gets the last word. Like Bianca Belair finally felt like she had, she was able to go in two footed on Becky Lynch. There was a point to what she was saying. The whole idea that she's passe, she's old news. It's not true. The fans are going nuts for her still. Mm. But at least there's a logical story there to tell. And Bianca Belair can actually try and be the babyface. And then you do all this, and I understand it's to lead to the match that theoretically you're supposed to want to see, but then if you do want to see it, don't get your hopes up because there might not be a finish. This is why WWE is broken. But I understand that they want to give you the match. They want to say, all right, we're going to do Becky and Bianca. But after all of this stuff where you've tried to make Becky the heel, it's a bit babyface of it to give her the match at the end, isn't it? (laughs) All right, sod it, you can have it. So I just... You strip about 90% of this away. You let Bianca get her powerful words in for a change and then have use your bloody wretched authority figure character that you insist upon existing in Sonia Deville to come out and say, I've heard enough. Mm. And, and more importantly, in the matches, I've seen enough. Bianca Belair does deserve a straight one-on-one match and it's going to be no interference this time or no disqualification or whatever. And there will be a winner mm. and that'll be next week. And you haven't had to give the agency to Becky Lynch to book the match herself. You want the match, you've got it. Like what was Becky, what was Becky Lynch going out there to do, Wilborn? She uh. was going out there to mock Bianca Belair at being at the back of the line. She did not go out to work tonight with the expectation that she was going to give Bianca Belair a title shot, did she? No. She arrived at the arena. Wrestling's real. She arrived at the arena and the authorities have said, oh, we want you to um, talk about your future challenges tonight, Becky, because wrestling's real and you've got a line of challenges. No problem. <laughs> and we've ended with her uh, giving a match to Bianca Belair, the one person who she started out saying she wouldn't give one to. This is the one thing we didn't <laughs> want to happen. Just, I, it's, it's bust. It's really, really bust. But there's about two or three minutes of really good dialogue either side of a match that people want to see in a universe long dead where they actually give you finishes and give you what you want like that. <laughs> so I'm sure it'll be fine. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Well, let's continue with our raw review. Uh, we had uh, Owens and Ballard chatting in the back. I respect you, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. Every man for himself, blah, 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 that sort of thing. You know how this goes. Uh, then they announced WrestleMania is going to be two nights again. Right decision for you, Amplet? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, You know, the, all, for all these years, the whole deal was Vince McMahon apparently wanted it as one big night and that sort of thing. They're going to, I, I'm not certain that they're going to flog 100,000 tickets both nights. But, you know, we count as potential travelling fans. We're in the UK. This is a global event. Yeah, if they come up with a decent strategy where you can buy a weekend ticket, it'd be like going to Glastonbury or Leeds yeah. Reading or something like that. It's a bit, bit just a festival ticket. People that are going to buy one the- of things where they think, why on earth didn't we do it sooner? Yeah, people are going to buy the weekend ticket. They're going to get really, really strong guaranteed houses for two nights. And they're going to wonder how they how they bothered with the seven hour WrestleManias all along. If anything, the disappearance of Takeover is at one little inconvenience that's out the way. That's probably probably Hall of Fame Friday two night WrestleMania. There's no there's less accommodating of. Like, I'm just thinking of Vince McMahon. Oh god damn it, we've got to put Paul's little wrestlers on. I keep forgetting <laughs> about that. They don't need to worry about that anymore. So that that was probably the only inconvenience to doing this years ago. And ironically, we, we were actually... We had a really brilliant night on the last great marathon WrestleMania. 
Yeah, that's what I'd say. I was gonna say we were lucky enough to be there at the first two night WrestleMania. You know, the WrestleMania three <laughs> went on bloody long enough. But yeah, like you say, SmackDown Friday and the Hall of Fame potentially in and around that. Uh, two night WrestleMania, Monday Night Raw, license to print money for me. I think it's it's just the right decision and the best way to get more people on the card, which I think for the wrestlers is good as well. So yeah, and and look at the last. You know, oh, are they going to have, have enough for the two main events? Judging by this year's, yes. Absolutely brilliant, both main events to WrestleMania as well. There's pressure now, and we kind of thought this would be the case anyway, in my opinion anyway. I think there's a little bit of pressure at the moment on what realistically can be a night two main event. Whatever it is, we've kind of said Ronda Rousey. Whatever it is, I'm not sure it totally exists yet. Because Roman and Brock doesn't feel it, does it, the night two? Mm. Well, then again... Event. Sasha and Bianca didn't feel like it until about a week before because they buggered it up so much. Thought he was ranked, so yeah, true, true. Uh, anyway, we got a non-title US no, what that? A non-title match involving the US champion Damian Priest versus Tubar. Um, Damian Priest got a new entrance and new music. He's not the only one, but uh, his stood out most for me. I miss the I miss the fire and the Archer stuff. Me too, me too. Not an improvement. Like no, I don't like this. Uh, who else? Carmella got some new stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll get to the bear that's clawing <laughs> its way to Monday Night Raw in due course. Don't you forget about that. Um, I saw someone on Twitter, it's really good take this, said this is the closest that T-Bar has come to Dominic Dijakovic on the main roster. Because it was. He was dressed like T-Bar, but he had offense that looked like Dijakovic. He dominated quite early on. Drops Priest into the turnbuckle, goes up top, hits this insane moonsault for someone who's about seven foot tall. Gets a one count. Give him a two count at least for that. Come on, guys. Anyway, uh, Priest gets back up, running elbow in the corner. He's setting up the broken arrow. Uh, T-Bar goes to the outside and then he just throws a chair, just throws a chair at Damien Priest and gets DQ'd. And Priest just fires up. He's just in- incredible how he can get past, like, bad booking. I can't believe we say this all the time, how he's Teflon to bad booking. He's done the celebrity match that could have had uh, problems, let's be perfectly honest. He's done the bloody zombie special attraction match, and he's still fine. Right. And then, like, they go like, oh, you're going to have a two-and-a-half-minute match against some guy that's never been in title contention. It's going to go to a DQ. And yet, when he fired up and, like, attacked T-Bar, dropped a chair on him, batted him, hit him with the reckoning... It was just a personification of they really have to try hard to screw up Damian Priest. They're trying, but they're not doing it just yet. I was going to say, they've been trying all year and it's not working. They went, he went like 25 minutes with Elias and people forgave that. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Like, people have forgiven a lot with Damian Priest. I was included. I like him a lot. And um, I think one of the reasons I like him is because there does feel this genuinely forged connection. Um, the beatdown, people don't always... WWE think that those violent post-match beatdowns are a guaranteed popper and they're not. We've seen some of those play out to relative quiet and it's really awkward because you're supposed to be, it's normally the baby face and you're supposed to be getting all this intensity and fans are just shrugging and it results in a guy screaming to, to virtual silence, basically. So it's not typically the best look, but that wasn't the case with Priest here at all. It's funny you mention T-Bar looking like Dominic Dijakovic, because I, I don't, I don't know, I rarely do this on Tuesdays, but I found myself like drawn to the WWE Raw hashtag. For, so I think I saw another tweet and I think it took me to the hashtag and you never know what you're going to get in there. And I saw somebody 
had uh, tweeted a particular screenshot and had done, I want this now, hashtag WWE Raw. Uh-oh. And it was an image of Dijakovic, Damian Priest, and Keith Lee ahead of that wretched triple threat they had in empty full sale in what we can all agree was one of the worst periods in human history. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, what was it, TakeOver? What was it? It wasn't Stand and Deliver, was it? That was one way in the CWC. But yeah, Tampa, TakeOver Tampa, where they did the stop and freeze spot to get the clap from the audience and there was no audience there for it. You know, when you're like, <laughs> yeah, everybody does the fish out of water, then everybody stands back and you're waiting for the huge applause that brings the house down and there's no crowd there and they're all just stood looking at each other. Like, they're not fighting over, like, the last packet of pasta when you first had that run on supermarkets back in April. That was what they all sort of looked like. Everyone refused not to make up. The end of the episode of The Office where there's been a murder, where everyone's <laughs> where everyone's a double agent. I'm not going down for this! Um, <laughs> aye. And so, aye, somebody was like, give me this. <laughs> You're not getting this. <laughs> you get a bit of Damien Priest, but it's not even his music anymore. He's not setting fire to the Titantron now. You'll get T-Bar and you'll get, well, Yogi later on. That's who you'll get. You're not going to get, you're not going to get this triple threat. And that triple threat wasn't even good. <laughs> Fine match. Fine finish. Yeah. Uh, then we got Carmella. She was showing off her face mask. So it seems she was the diamond of WWE. Talks about how good looking she is. And then we got her versus Liv Morgan again. Skip, skip. I, look, I don't mean to be cruel to these two in particular. I would skip everything that has felt like a living embodiment of the SmackDown rebound on this edition of Monday Night Raw. Um, but the match was particularly rubbish as well. So, yes, yeah, the same match we've seen them quite a few times now. Carmella fights back, face buster, one, two, three. But enough of all that, it's now time for this. It's short, it's crap, it's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it! I don't do the noise. And this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Adam Moore. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review, uh, instead of a god-awful raw segment, make sure you subscribe to What Cult Wrestling on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Or like Adam has done, you can email them to me. I am adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. Adam writes, Hi, guys. Big thank you because you make my workday go a lot faster with your class podcasts. Pamphlet and... uh, (laughs) Hamlet and Sidgwick are the Veer and Shanky of the podcast, led by the one and only Ginger Mahal. <laughs> All right, he got it back. He got it back. Uh, for this week's five-star review review, can you please review <laughs> the Rob Conway gets fired segment from January 1st, 2007, We all know the Ruthless Aggression era was crap, but for some reason, I always loved Rob Conway with his ridiculous facials. Thank you, Adam, a great suggestion this. I haven't thought about Rod Conway and that entrance theme of his in a long old time. But Hampler set the scene for January the 1st, 2007. Yeah, like I have a soft spot for Rob Conway and that specific period of his career. Or so I thought until I was reminded of this segment. Um, Because it was New Year's Day in 2007. And not to get too dark at what is typically a very light bit of the Raw Review podcast, often the lightest when we're reviewing a particularly bad Raw. But 2007 would be a transformative year for WWE for all the wrong reasons. Of course, at this point, Vince McMahon, who we're going to get to, was in such fine fettle that he would turn up for work looking like he'd got straight off the plane from a holiday in Hawaii. Things were going pretty smoothly. And then, of course, in mid-2007, 
you had the, uh, the Benoit family tragedy and that kind of changed everything. Mm. Um, there was a wellness policy in place. Did you see Rob Conway? I don't think it was being very tightly like adhered to. Um, but there was a there was a wellness policy in place that was being pretty much brushed aside and everything was fine. Everything was cool. Being rich and awful was funny. It wasn't. <laughs> gross a lot of people hadn't come to realize that actually that's the most hideous trait a human can have no it was a big old laugh it's like basically a lot of like i don't want to say america the world was living inside an mjf promo it was just like ah oh, look at them paws <laughs> them stupid paws what's that a financial crash no that's not gonna happen i don't know what you're talking about like every, it was just on the verge of the whole world collapsing lehman brothers going bust credit crunch legitimate global recession and in our little corner of the world like a guy going insane and committing an absolute atrocity. Like we are six months away from all of that happening. So we find ourselves pretty much at the peak of that. And I know with some of the dialogue here, you're going to get into somebody else that that quite directly relates to as well. Oh, yeah. We all just loved it, man. Rob Conway didn't because the Rob Conway you remember and the Adam who sent in the request um, the Rob Conway Adam remembers fondly is the same one I do, which is when out of nowhere, La Resistance was finished and he just kind of came dressed up as an even more jacked Buff Bagwell with uh, with a Randy Newman theme. That Did was he wrestle total... in shades? Yeah. Dude, I say. Like, such a treat, man. The con man, Rob Conway. And uh, and then he disappeared and then he came back and then there was this and what could possibly go wrong. Did he go on to be World Heavyweight Champion in, like, the NWA or something? Yeah, I think... Uh, this is, I could be wrong off the top of my head. I think he held like multiple belts at the same time. I seem to recall him directing, he might have been like the world and tag champion there or something. Oh, yeah, Still world heavyweight champion twice and world tag team champions four times. He was very much a guy that when you didn't have a lot of access to the likes of OVW and the WWE developmentals, he was always one of their names. So, like the people that were really, really, really buried deep and catching all the local footage of the developmentals, they were like, You got to get Rob Conway up, man. You got to use him. And then you see him and he's got this great body and he's got this awesome look and he's like decent enough without being spectacular. And he just was never that guy. He was OVW heavyweight champion five times. <laughs> yeah. And he held the Southern Tag Team Championship 11 times. Once I mean, with Pat Book off of fighting with Nia Jax, mm -hmm. 10 times with Nick Dinsmore. That's Eugene, isn't it? That is indeed Eugene. Honestly, these guys were being like lauded as the future saviors of the industry. And then it kind of ended up being the celebrated 2002 class instead. The, the Cena, Brock, Orton mm. run. It was, it was more those guys than, than the next ones to come along. Hey, he's only 46. There's still time, Rob. I look at some of his contemporaries are on Raw every week. Sign him up, WB. Sign him up. And he is sad to see <laughs> the whole damn world. Yeah, well, I know what you're thinking when you fire this clip up. You're like, ah, oh, oh, he's got long blonde hair and boring trunks. That means we're not going to get the music. Yeah. Uh, that was that was the thought, wasn't it? And I, that is the one thing I was most excited about because my brain, full of all this nonsense, that was the thing that leaked out about me about the segment. Yeah. Uh, so Jeff Hardy's out first. He's the IC champion. Has <laughs> announced that he's going to face... Johnny Nitro at New Year's Revolution. <laughs> 14 years ago, this is. They're running a retro Raw in January. It's retro Raw every week. <laughs> hey, so anyway, as Hardy's standing on the top turnbuckle and posing, Conway comes out and gets on the mic. He says, this 
This is a brand new year. And Rob Conway is tired of being everyone's whipping boy. I love the way he said <laughs> boy here. So I made myself a New Year's resolution, Conway continues. From now on, I'm going to be a winner. What that means for you, Jeff, is that if I can't beat you tonight, so help me, I will quit Monday Night Raw. Dramatic announcement immediately followed by boom, boom, boom. <laughs> look at me. And I decide to see the whole damn world. It's ridiculous, this theme. Honestly, man, just like, imagine if he just like started crying down the lens and he'd be saying like, for my wife and for my son, little little Jimmy Conway, little Conway Twitty out there. <laughs> I'm for you tonight and daddy's going to bring home the belt. Silence. Like they just patted him into an early grave. Like dropping that music at that moment. Unbelievable. Like this company is, is cruel. And there is literally hundreds of hours of footage that they will charge you the princely sum of just 9.99 to see that cruelty for yourself. Amazing. It's, it's just nice to be able to, you know, relive an epic Conway pop, as it was called back then. <laughs> Uh, so he gets down there, um, gets in the ring, bell rings, locks up with Hardy, actually controls it early on, sends him to the mat, beats him down, sends him into the corner, goes to like spear him in the stomach or do whatever there. Hardy jumps up, sunset flip pins him, beats him in 20 seconds. <laughs> Get him. So he's pitching Harry a fit. Con- Conway, is it? Yeah, pitching a fit. Uh, Mike Kyoto, the referee, uh, is reiterating, no, that was a three. Jeff Hardy's just like, well, that's my night's work done out of here. <laughs> and out comes, as Hamlet alluded to, Floridian Vince. <laughs> love him, love him. He's in a sort of beige shirt, very casual trousers, swaggers down to the ring, actually shakes Rob Conway's hand. And Vince gets on the mic and says... It's their time of year again. I can't do this. <laughs> Got a big day tomorrow, quizzes. I can't do this. It's that time of year again, a time when most of you start making your New Year's resolutions. Let's face it, by the end of this year, some 99.9% of you would have broken your own New Year's resolutions. Took Rob Conway somewhere around a minute to break his New Year's resolution. <laughs> well, say New Year's resolution again, Vince. I've got a couple of resolutions myself, and uh, I don't break mine. Two things I have. My uh, word and my balls, and I'll break them for nobody. (laughs) My my word is my grapefruit. (laughs) He says, his first resolution, I'm going to stop being so damn nice. (laughs) Quite good. That's quite good. And he says, I'm also going to stop allowing people to take advantage of me. Such as, here we go, my good friend and fellow billionaire, Donald Trump. There he is. There he the is. Future pre- the future president, Donald Trump, to you, Wilbur. Mm-hmm. God bless you. God bless me. <laughs> God bless. Yeah, I okay. He says, Donald does have his problems of late. He has his hands full with, he gestures to the Tron, and remember we reviewed a while back, I think they had Trump versus Rosie O'Donnell on Monday Night Raw, and they used a, let's just say, iffy picture of Rosie O'Donnell. So, so 
Just to reiterate, Vince has said, Donald's got his problems of late. He has his fans' hands full with gestures for the Tron. Big picture of Rosie O'Donnell on there. Yoko Zuna! <laughs> God. God, this company. God. Was it not... Um, what was the... What was the line in the commentary? Like he introduced her or Vince introduced her or something. Like she's got like lesbianic fury or something like that. Mm -hmm. Hatred. Like honestly, Ghostbusters 2, the pink slime that runs under New York that they kind of justified that's the hatred of New York. They weren't on about the city. They were just talking about the old territorial system and the meant world wrestling entertainment. <laughs> the hatred that runs under New York and go like rivers flow all the way to Stamford, Connecticut, because that's all this company knows is hatred and cruelty. And you're thinking, well, yeah, he's been really unnecessarily cruel. <laughs> and by the way, it's Vince. Like, I know we always blame the writers for over explaining the jokes, but we know it's on Vince as well. Uh, that that's not Joe Cozona, by the way. Yeah, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, he clarifies. He says that's not actually Yoko Zuna. Oh, oh Kevin, they're going to send uh, bloody Rosie O'Donnell the crown jewel or something, <laughs> just just to keep the kingdom happy. Like dress frigging Danhausen up as the Ultimate Warrior. We got them both. He says that's not actually Yoko Zuna. It's the. Uh, Voluptuous Rosie O'Donnell. He's a piece of garbage, isn't he, Vince? He's a piece of garbage. Continues. Nonetheless, Donald Trump is credited many times for a certain phrase he uses on his head show, uh, The Apprentice. <laughs> Very good. Very good. He says, everybody knows that Donald didn't originate that phrase. That phrase originated right here. On Monday night. <laughs> so, Rob Conway, I'm not going to allow you to quit Monday Night Raw. Excellent acting here from Rob Conway. He's like, whoo, oh, thank you, boss. I got carried away with my, you know, he's not saying these things, but visually he's displaying them. Wonderful bit of facials and acting here from Rob Conway. One of the reasons why Adam suggested him, he loves Conway and his facials. Woo! He just turns around look, after looking so relieved, though, and Vince says, Rob Conway! And this is one of his best. Yeah! Fight! Jesus Christ! Did, uh, was there a certain wrestler that we get to review that we're told to watch this tape to practice? Bear <laughs> Cat Wilborn over here. He drops the mic, walks out, and as he's leaving, Rob Conway's like, Boss, boss, and he just does the 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 thumb gesture. Get an ass out of here, basically. <laughs> In the road, I did quite like that. In bricks, you schmuck. Lovely little throwback, this. Uh, and as always, we go to the comment just section. Before, just before we do, oh go on. A, just before we do, uh, like yeah, this is really really cruel. But I want to like let the listeners know because they wouldn't have any memory of this because they're not complete weirdos like me. Um. <laughs> Just to reassure you, Rob Conway was not shoot-fired in the segment. And I have no doubt that backstage they put their arm around his shoulder and said, we're going to fire you out there tonight, but don't worry. You know how it is when you get TV with time with Vince. Like, it, he cares about you and we'll do something with you. Uh, so he wasn't fired in uh, January 2007. Oh. Don't worry about that. Yeah. He was fired in July, having worked not once more on television in the meantime. <laughs> so they basically 
instead of shoot firing him, they benched him for six months. Took six months off his career. He worked like four dark matches. He worked once back in OVW where he lost to CM Punk. He lost a tag team match against JB Noble and Kofi Kingston. Dark. He lost to Jake Hager, also in oh. OVW. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and then they released him. And off he went on to the Indies it's where he... Cool. Yeah, go on. He doesn't even mention this, but it's such a weird thing. Like, imagine if that happened in our job. Like, Hamlet, I want you to stop writing for the website. I want you to stop appearing on podcasts. I want you to stop even, you know, contributing to videos that we put out there. I just want you to come into work and sit in the kitchen. And, you know, if you want, you can have some of the, the bread and toast and crisps and stuff that we have. And then we'll fight you in six months. It's just a weird existence being a wrestler, isn't it? Really, really strange. And it's it's funny how, like, how it just it's strange how things work. Like, from there, because I had his records up before, he was teaming with Adam Pearce, who now finds himself, like, in a billion-dollar wrestling show segment with Brock Lesnar. He lost, like, one of the first matches after he got released. He was with some guy that I didn't know the name of, and they lost to the Young Bucks, who were EVPs. And you just, you travel on these roads and go in these locker rooms, and you just... You don't know if you're going to be the EVP of wrestling company or sat in the kitchen eating toast. So yeah, that's uh, like <laughs> odd industry, odd game. I think there's still space for Rob Conway and modern day wrestling. I'm going to put it out there. Yeah, Spiral. Rob Conway on dark at very least. I mean, Spiral Pori will maybe get slightly too carried away in the comments. Writing five months ago, Hamlet. So what's that? May, May of 2021. Rob Conway was the best wrestler WWE ever hired. Ever. <laughs> ever. Love it. Love that. You've, everyone's got their fa- Everyone's got feelings. We were all, if Sidgwick was on, I think he might say it for Shannon Moore. For, yeah. me, it's always, for me, it's D'Lo Brown. There's a certain, um, there's a certain blinkered attitude you take to everything else. And there's some, someone takes your heart at some point in your life and you're like, why did they get him so wrong? <laughs> Why did they put every belt on him? Then this then wrestling would have been saved. You can't help it. Yeah. Next comment actually sort of references that. Enigmatic Psycho writes, a coincidence that WWE ratings have steadily declined since Conway was fired? I think <laughs> not. That's it. That's exactly it. I mean, if nothing else, this does like mean that he lived with his name and he was a pretty good con man. Yeah. And uh, people are like, where's that guy who says, just look at me. That's what I've tuned in for. <laughs> There's no sights to see here on Monday Night Raw without Rob Conway. Rob Conway, the con man. Who now you say on 2.0? That, that fits. That fits. Yeah. Uh, Action Figures Collections. Right. right. Uh, Vince, if you're listening, skip ahead 30 seconds, pal. I was 18 years old at the time. Damn, how time flies. Mr. McMahon don't look like that anymore. He's old and skinny now. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen much worse written about the face of Vince McMahon. Um, Shout out to that rascal that we all enjoy, Ian, on Twitter, Mm. who thinks that Vince McMahon is like Crichton from Red Dwarf and he's got about four spare heads. (laughs) (laughs) What's one on as per the needs of the promo he's got to cut? Yeah, is the fiend's going to walk down our best, but on a scared Crichton head. Like, uh, where the hell have you been? Is an angry bollocking the talent head. Yeah. Uh, Crash Bandit's loot writes. 
Rob Conway's theme sounds like a song you'd write for a kindergartner to learn first word combinations. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Like, I've had two recent kindergartners that are a bit too old for that now, but even now they're constantly going, just look at me, just look at me, (laughs) look at me. So I do get that. And finally, once again, these do not reflect the views of myself, the Dadly Boys, or anyone who want culture wrestling. Hey, quit stealing my moves, right? If you laugh at this, you're a bad person, Hamper, okay? Okay. <laughs> the O in Rosie O'Donnell stands for oink. <laughs> No, you. So yeah, um, thanks to Adam for suggesting that. You want to suggest something? You YouTube commenter, a, a part of the problem. You're why Vincent Mann books lowest common denominator. The raw that we're about to whinge about is because of people like you. Yeah, and every one of you. But thank you to Adam for suggesting that. Uh, if you want to suggest a segment for us to review, short crap wrestling related, just like Adam Moore did. Uh, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or just email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. But do give us a five-star review on iTunes because it does help us, although we are the number one wrestling podcast in the UK. Uh, right, let's uh, return to the seriousness of Monday Night Raw. Cast Michael Hamlet. It's time for Keith me. <laughs> Did you see the little bit in the bottom corner where it said, coming up later... Keith Bearcat, or just said Bearcat, claws his way to Raw. (laughs) Like, you know, I think we've gone wrong all this time with what's your thing. Because what's your thing implies that they ask the talent, what's your thing? He never said to them, well, I'm a bear. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't what's your thing. This is, this is your thing. (laughs) Yeah. This is your thing. (laughs) Just give him a big red book. Open the book. Vince comes yeah. in with his big red book. <laughs> Flick through yeah. the pages. Say when. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> this is your thing. Oh, we've not gone that niche on crap British telly for quite a while. And in two days, EastEnders and this is your life. <laughs> this is your <laughs> this is your thing. It's a big picture book. <laughs> it just, it's a pop-up one as well. Oh, bear. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those books that you have with kids where you, there's like a sock, there's like a puppet and you put your finger through it. <laughs> oh, bear look. That's you, that is. And the thing with that is every page is the same. So he's like, <laughs> oh, let's see what else we got. Flick four pages. Oh, it's still a bear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the music's got a bear on it. Keith Lee also goes, rah, before he has a match. And then he's Keith Lee in a wrestling ring. So, of course, he's great. I've yeah. seen him. I've been there. I've been ringside when he did what he did to Cedric Alexander to start this match, when he did it to Ricochet. He sends him into the in stratosphere. He just hoys him as high and as far as he can. He sends Cedric Alexander flying. Alexander did get a little bit of offense in. Um because uh, Keith Lee splashed him in the corner, then he missed a charge. Alexander starts kicking him, going after his legs. But suddenly uh, he comes off the ropes, 
I love the, this move. He comes off the ropes, and at the same time, Keith Lee comes off the ropes as well. And so when he turns around to go after Keith, he just gets flattened by him. He just, just <laughs> trucks him, basically. Big bang catastrophe. One, two, three. Post-match, in comes Shelton Benjamin to maybe sneak attack the Bearcat. But he changes his mind and uh, just gets out of there. But like I said, it's a stupid gimmick. But Keith Lee's a sensational wrestler. So once he actually the bell rings, he makes it work. Yeah, it's a, a he does, doesn't he? It's a really, really stupid gimmick. It was Bearcat was a, a weird nickname. It felt very Vince and Bruce. And you're like, right, fine. And as you've pointed out, he can't not be Keith Lee when the bell rings. So you're gonna get like you're gonna get impact power stuff regardless. But it is it is evident. I, I, this felt different to the Keith Lee that we're used to from NXT and the Indies and the like. He was turning up the power stuff to sort of appeal to his paymasters, I think, wasn't he? Mm, yeah. And and in the meantime, until he figures the rest of it out, it's roars, isn't it? It's raw bear noises. And as well, we, we're joking. You're a bear. He's not this. He's a bear cat. The cat's gone. <laughs> like there's no cat anymore. <laughs> Keith Bear Lee. <laughs> the bear like oh god Keith, yeah. Keith like Yogi Bear what other bears are there uh Winnie the Pooh <laughs> <laughs> Keithy the Lee Keithy the Lee imagine that Keith Keith Pooh Lee <laughs> Pooh that's in somebody better be careful. That's in Vince's big red book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, anyway, let's go backstage because it's time for the Mysterios to sow some more. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hello there. Ray's saying it's been a while since he's been in his ladder match, but Dom says, Don't worry, I believe in you, Dad. You'd never let this family down, would you? He didn't say that, but you could read it in his face. Uh, and in comes. One of the new stars on Monday Night Raw, Austin Theory, comes in, asks for a selfie with Rey Mysterio, and actually goes, actually, uh, why don't you just take the picture, whoever this guy is, to Dominic Mysterio. Dominic says, hey, hey, pal, I'm not a photographer. This is in your locker room. And uh, talk about that, though, isn't he? He's like, sorry, I'm not a photographer. Like, just take the picture, you miserable bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that the next time that like, I'm out and about and somebody says, sorry, would you mind uh, taking that picture, please? I look like a photographer. Get out of my, <laughs> my locker room. This is a street. Get out of it. Anyway, Theory challenges him to a match and he accepts. And uh, yeah, then we get the match. Austin Theory's just brilliant. He, he's going to be a star on Raw. He you know takes down Dominic Mysterio and then he mocks Eddie Guerrero's pose and the crowd hate him. Dominic fights back. Theory takes him down with a backbreaker. Theory goes for a suplex. Dominic gets him with a small package, but he kicks out at two. Dominic kicks him, some offense in the corner, second row bulldog. But then all of a sudden, Theory hits him with a stun gun, ATL onto his knee, uh, and, and Austin Theory gets the victory and uh, takes his selfie afterwards. I think he just looks like a star to me. Amplet. Uh, yeah, he's building up the wins. The selfie thing's getting over. He, him and Dominic, uh, right around the same age, but you can see what a, what like a fully trained, fully fleshed out wrestler looks like versus yeah. a guy that's thrown in the deep end a little bit too much. 
the, the golfing class here was was very apparent. And just like we said, you know, I guess with the mention of the Eddie Guerrero thing, just as we predicted, they were going to do like a very small tease of the eventual breakup on this week's episode. Like this was never going to be the week for the split. Yeah, yeah, it? exactly and as you said. So it was nice they planted those little seeds. Uh, right, backstage are the tag team champions and Riddle thinks Randy could dress up as either Mario or Luigi or they could dress up as the creepy girls from The Shining and Orton says, can you can concentrate, basically? We've got a tag match. Let's worry about Halloween after this. Uh, and before we got that, we got a video package informing us that Via is coming to Raw. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't he just on Raw, Hamper? This is it. I saw this like video via like who gives it about via by the way but I love the idea that like you know when you do with kids when you do head shoulders knees and toes and then you have to take a word out at a time like so because hmm shoulders knees and toes and you do the actions yeah. at this point is hmm and via there they ripped away the bulk of the crack no one no one tell Vince McMahon about the Milwaukee Bucks tagline because you know what that is that's fear the deer so if he finds out about that via's getting pushed to the moon (laughs) (laughs) yeah then we got the tag also sorry they have actually dropped a hook here because i don't know about you but i want to know what like if randy orton is willing to talk about halloween but after the match i want to know randy orton and riddle's halloween conversation (laughs) Like what's on? Like what's on the outfit? An entertaining wrestler. <laughs> like I just because that's what Andy tweeted. It's what Andy said this morning. Macho man Randy Orton. That's what we're getting. <laughs> when he says trick or treat, and no matter what you answer, he's going to shake your hands with jizz in it. So like, mate, if all goes wrong, he's over in Saudi Arabia. Do you hear those pops for him? Just like rubbing his knee against uh, AJ Styles' head. Yeah, that's that's the stuff. That's why when the wrestlers like, oh, there's nothing quite like fighting Randy Orton. Guys that wrestlers wrestle, it's because they get to do nouts. And he just does all that bollocks. And we're supposed to be entertained by it. But really, it's just so like JBL can have a night off or something. <laughs> I took three bumps against that guy. He's a Hall of Famer. Ridiculous. Anyway, we got the tag match for the tag titles next. It was the Dirty Dogs versus Riddle and Randy Orton. Um, early on, sort of back and forth. Rude bails out to the floor, gets beaten down, put back inside. Uh, Riddle gets uh, helped with sort of a, an assisted standing floating bro uh, from uh, Randy Orton. Rude goes to the outside again and we go to a break. When we come back, uh, the heels are dominating. Rude uh, dropped Riddle on the apron. Eventually, Riddle manages to make the hot tag to Randy Orton, who comes in, clotheslines, power slam, you know the offense here. Sets up for that draping DDT, but Ziggler distracts him by just shouting. Ziggler just shouts, and he goes, what's all this? And that, that's allowed Rude to uh, just launch him into the barricade, basically. Um, Orton fights out eventually, hits a back suplex, tags in Riddle, who just kicks everyone, suplexes and sent on everyone that he can. And uh, he covers Ziggler, but Rude breaks up the cover, so Orton comes in. RKO's Rude, Ziggler super kicks Orton, and then Riddler, Riddler, Riddle and Ziggler, <laughs> I knew that was coming, uh, exchange tr- cradles until Riddle small packages Ziggler and gets the victory. And Randy Orton seemed very proud of his son slash tag team partner at the end of all this. They retained the tag team titles. He did. He was buzzing with them until he got on the post and he was like, you got a belt in the air, kid. Well done. You did well. Was that what his Halloween costume? Is he dressed as somebody that actually likes this complete prick? <laughs> Good match, good match. Um, 
dirty dogs can do this sort of stuff in their sleep. Uh, Riddle brings the energy. I liked quite a great deal, actually, um, that roll-up. I, I like that we sort of... You, I know the RKO's there is the sort of the easy win, and then he hits Bobby Roo, but I like that that wasn't just the, the straight finish. Yeah. That Riddle... Orton had done his kill shot, but Riddle still had work to do. And I thought that was quite a neat finish to put over the fact that these are very much a team that are on the same page and they're together at this point there. Not that the patter is gone because you're always going to get these Randy segments backstage, but they're a unit at this point and they need to be a unit in order for the turn to matter. So cool. Uh, Seth Rollins is backstage with Kevin Patrick, uh, who's asking uh, if Rollins thinks he's got a large target on his back and says, of course I do. I'm the biggest threat to Big E and everybody knows it. None of that matters now, though, because I'm a revolutionary and a visionary. And tonight I'm going to become, uh, take the next step to becoming the next world champion. We get a recap following that of Goldberg murdering Bobby Lashley uh, at Crown Jewel and then a, a sort of twit, Twitter status update from Bobby Lashley. Good. Let's have him take a break for a few weeks slash months, Hamlet. Yeah, it's the same old, same old. Nobody ever loses steam when they disappear off television. It's not like on AEW where you're kind of fretting when Hangman Page is off for three or four like weeks and you're thinking, is he going to be all right when he comes back? It's the best thing that can happen to WWE wrestlers is to just disappear for a while. So definitely the character was in need of a bit of a break. Uh, they confirm it is going to be Belair versus Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship next week. And then we get to this wild, fatal four-way ladder match to determine the number one contender for Big E and his WWE Championship. Big E can make almost anything work. They did that shot of him watching the match backstage and he had his back to the telly. He was looking over his shoulder. <laughs> Tremendous. Stupid bastard. Anyway, uh, oh, they're all going to be feeling this today. Early on, Owens... Uh, just hitting everything that moves with a ladder to take the advantage. Then Rollins dodges a sent on and Owens just crashes into a ladder. That would become a regular occurrence as this match went on. Poor Kevin Owens. Um, we go to break. When we come back, Rollins is standing tall. He's using the ladder on all three of them. And then Balor comes out of nowhere to stomp a ladder onto him and then backdrop Owens onto a ladder, which crushes Rollins in the process. Bala and Mysterio, they're trying to grasp at this contract, but then Owens comes in and pushes that ladder over, and then Rollins gets Owens, buckle bombs him, but before he goes down, he super kicks Seth Rollins. Owens and Mysterio are fighting. Uh, he fights Mysterio off, attacks Bala, attacks Rollins with the ladder, sets up a table on the outside, but then turns around, and him and Bala get hit with a suicide dive by Seth Rollins. And then Mysterio bulldogs Rollins, but uh, Rollins stops him from hitting the 619 on Owens. He eventually does manage to hit it, utilizing a ladder, kicking it into Kevin Owens' face. Yeah, he does a sent on with a ladder, and then he and Rollins turned around, and this time it's Balor flipping out of the ring to take us to another break. In amongst all this, a ladder bridge has been set up on the outside from the apron to the commentator's desk. Uh, Mysterio... Tries to climb and grab that contract. Balor cuts him off. Owens pulls Balor down, stunners him. Uh, Mysterio goes after Owens, but Owens powers him up and power bombs him through that table that was set up on the outside earlier. Owens goes up top. He looks like he's just about to get it. And then Rollins stops him. Owens tries to power bomb him out of the ring, but Rollins back body drops. Kevin Owens through that ladder bridge. Oh, looked rough this. And then Rollins turned around. Curb stomps Finn Balor, climbs the ladder, grabs the contract, 
He will be facing Big E for the WWE Championship. And there's a face-off and an exchange of words between the champ and Seth Rollins. And before the show goes off air, Rollins cuts a, I'm the greatest sort of, I'm going to be the next champion. This is my show sort of promo. I really enjoyed this ladder match. Insane bumps. Like I say, all the guys are going to be feeling it today. But what did you make of it all? It was very good. It was um, along the lines of the sort of the expectations that they've set for the Money in the Bank matches, I would yeah. say. Like genuinely, the, uh, the, it wasn't, it didn't like enter the, we get so many ladder matches that very few ever will and very few will register, but it didn't enter that kind of Hall of Fame wing of ladder matches in terms of the kind of thing where you're going to remember it much in six weeks, which is like the worst thing because the guys are killing themselves for this, this cause, you know, mm-hmm. take some absolutely like insane bumps. How many times over the years has Kevin Owens done this? And how many can we actually call to mind directly? Like we may be able to talk about it today, but will we able to in three or four weeks? And that's ultimately one of the issues with the frequency of them. But that's a different complaint that takes away from some of the pleasure of this main event. Everyone in this match, for all that the promo train felt lame and everyone was a loser coming into it, I don't mean they're losers, I mean that they're, they're currently like dealing with a losing record. This felt like a battle between all the stars. Yeah. Like this, everyone here felt like a main event guy. And what that did was allowed for the the otherwise, what would typically be, oh, so what, somebody's going to be the number one contender. You can become the number one contender just by asking half the time. Mm. Bianca, but yeah. like, by battering the champion with a kendo stick. So there theoretically isn't any drama who's going to win. But because everybody's quite a big deal or the biggest deal they're allowed to be, I thought it was right, really good suspense. Mm. A couple of times this match, I couldn't quite figure out who was going to do it. And then the, your mind starts going, well, are they going to do Owens one last time before he potentially leaves? Are they interested in Balor? Because that's a new combination, you know? Is it going to be Rey Mysterio? Because as we've always said, the best time to turn Dominic on Rey is when he's in the middle of a title program. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different permutations. And then you land on Seth. And I think it's a bit ludicrous. And I don't particularly like the character. Um, and I've already had people online talking how, how it's hashtag LTST because it was Big E that beat the Shield Seth for the NXT title in 2013. <laughs> weird, weird guys. Um, but the match will probably be all right. The question I have for you, I suppose, is like, what does this mean for the Survivor Series? Is this for the next pay-per-view or is this just to kind of fill their time on television? Yeah, I've no idea. Like you said, I don't know whether they're going to use this to pop a TV rating and give them a, a big main event for that. They're certainly not going to hold it off, one would assume, till bloody day one or whatever it's called on January. So maybe, maybe, maybe they're going to put title matches again on Survivor Series. I would guess if I had to come to my head, I'd say... I'd say they're going to do this on telly. I think so, but then I don't think it's going to draw. It's frustrating because they are... I think the dynamic here actually worked really well. Yeah. Um... But, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see with this. But regardless, we've got two title matches announced uh, on this show. And, uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with a show that, like you say, logically was all over the shop, but for the most part was enjoyable. And uh, one of my favourite season premieres I can think of, <laughs> of WWE Raw. There have been, it just, again, I imagine, just think of uh, telling... Like your missus has seen the odd bit of wrestling in the time, haven't you? But so you'd be like, "What are you doing?" I was just going to sit down and watch a bit of Raw with you. Yeah, but you haven't binged the first season. <laughs> you have to catch up before you can't just. What is it now? Like twenty twenty one? My maths are terrible. Twenty seven, twenty eight. 
Who starts the show on season 28? Come on, back to episode one. <laughs> you won't understand where all the characters are. I would have got to this. <laughs> oh, well, let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Oh, and whilst I remember, if you do want to get your hands on or at least pre-order Michael Cedric's brilliant new book, uh, you can order it. You need to head to whatculture.bigcartel.com. That's whatculture.bigcartel.com. There you can find uh, our reissue of Development Hell, which is Cedric's previous book all about NXT. The now updated 606, used to be 505, 606 wrestling matches to see before you die. And Michael Cedric's new book, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW. It's going to be great, guys. And if you want it to get it for yourself or friends or whatever. That link today for all that he uh, radiates huge gack energy on these podcasts. He's quite a modest man in real life. So he might not want to do the plug himself. I will tweet that link. So keep an eye out at my Twitter and click it straight through and go and buy it. We'll get there before Christmas. Absolutely. Educate their asses. (laughs) Whatculture.bigcartel.com and tweet Sidge when you're ordering it at MC Street. You can follow Michael Hamlet on Twitter at Michael Hamlet. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Coming later on today, our preview of NXT 2.0. Oh, of course, Halloween Havoc heading our way tonight. And tomorrow we're going to be looking ahead to AEW Dynamite. Quick heads up, by the way, regarding NXT uh, and our review of that. Tomorrow is a big filming day here at What Culture. So our Halloween Havoc review will be delayed by a day, but that just means on Thursday you get Halloween Havoc review and AEW Dynamite review. Well, it was a back again, isn't it? Oh, I'll tell you what. We all know which show is going to be better, and unfortunately it doesn't have... Cody Rhodes on it. Uh, right. You can follow us all, as I said, at What Culture WWE, What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from for Daily Wrestling Podcast. This has been the Raw Review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. <laughs>